0: If you take your Bible to Matthew, chapter seven, please. Russell, go to the next slide, would you? Okay, that's the right, <laughs> that's the right stuff. Just the wrong uh, beginning slide, but we're going to be in Matthew seven. When you find that text, I want you to stand, and we'll read a couple of verses from Matthew chapter seven. The title of the message today is The Choice. And you'll understand that as we go along here in just a minute. Matthew 7, verse 13. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that you placed before us an invitation even today, Father, for someone in this room to enter that narrow gate. Perhaps many, Lord, might need to enter it. I pray that you encourage them today to take that step. I pray that you help us all to be faithful witnesses and testimonial givers of the grace that you have Put on our lives and give it to us as we step through that gate. And I pray today that many come to know you, perhaps even in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. On the screen is a quote from a famous pastor named William Barclay. And he said it as you can read it. There is always a certain dramatic quality about life. For as it has been said, all life concentrates on man at the crossroads in every action of life man is confronted with a choice so all of us have a choice that we have to make and everything that we do the internet if you look at that the good old internet says you make 20,000 choices per day now I don't know about you but I don't think I make that many choices per day but that's the number all right that the internet said, each person makes 20,000 choices today. Today, we all find ourselves at a crossroads today in this place. We're going we're to decide to surrender to the Lord, we're going to follow Him the rest of our days, or are we just going to stay on the path that we're on, living in the life that we're living? You know, the Sermon on the Mount, we're coming near the end of it. We started back A few weeks ago in chapter 5 and we found out what the kingdom is like. We all understand now what the kingdom of heaven is like by listening to Jesus teach on the Sermon on the Mount. We also know that he expects certain behavior from the kingdom citizens. That would be people who have entered into the narrow gate, the life gate. The salvation gate. So we know what the kingdom's like. We know what the citizens are to look like and behave like. The question today is, will you step into that kingdom? Enter in the narrow gate. Jesus is inviting you. He's asking you to step through. He's asking you to come. The Bible's full of invitations. We think that God didn't invite people to be saved in the Old Testament. Let's read some of that. In Joel, Old Testament stuff, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Even in the Old Testament, God tells us we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. Here's another one, Isaiah 1, One of my favorite, by the way. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. God invites you to come and sit with Him and reason. Let's debate. Let's talk about life and death is what God is saying there. Here's one from the New Testament, Revelation. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. What a great invitation that you and I have the opportunity to take the water of life at no cost to us. Jesus, Jesus. Paid it all, as we just sang a moment ago. One more I have in 2 Corinthians. Paul writes, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So all of us have a choice to make at the crossroads of life. Jesus spoke about the narrow and the wide gate. He spoke about heaven. He spoke about hell, destruction, and life, we can associate. He spoke about the few and the many. Once he gave the invitation to enter into that narrow gate, he then turns to the wide gate. He doesn't explain the narrow gate. He just says, enter by it. And then he turns to tell us about the wide gate. And let's read what he says there. He says, and the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. So once you step through that wide gate, which we all have stepped through at our birth into this world, we ended up on this broad path, this broad way to destruction. You have to get off of that path to go through the narrow gate. You have to hear the invitation, you have to understand, you have to believe and then you got to find the narrow gate. You got to find where it is. You got to understand how it uh, operates. You got to step through that narrow gate into life. The path we all were on, and some of you may still be on, leads to death. And so we have to be rescued from that path. Jesus speaks about this gate being wide, but then he says, the way, after you step through that gate, the way is broad. Can you? picture that in your mind, I I want to give you a little bit of a description of that broad path. It's broad enough to accommodate all individuals. It's broad enough to accommodate all philosophies of men, all groups of people, all movements of the human race who have set themselves against God. The broad way is big enough to accommodate all of those people. The Broadway is for those who have human good and then who have evil. The Broadway is big enough for the Christian cults and the Satanist cults. The Broadway is big enough for the world's religions and all of the people who are non religious. Think about how big that is now. The Broadway can accommodate all religions and those who do not participate in any religion. Wow, that's a big road. There's room enough on this broad path for the bum in the gutter and the lost man in the church. There's room enough on this path for the new ager and the humanist, for the atheist and the agnostic, for those who call him Lord, Lord, but never knew him to begin with. There's room on this path for those people. There's room for the arrogant and there's room for the agnostic. There's room for the profane and the vulgar. And there's room for those who say they are good people. All on this broad path to destruction. Never will you find a Christian on that path. Never will you find a believer who remains on that path. Never will you find a lost man who will miss that path. That path is lined with broad billboards that say, come, live, enjoy, have your heart's desire fulfilled, get all of your promises fulfilled, get all of your desires fulfilled. But oh, what a toll it cost a man to walk on that broad path. Destruction, death. The word that Jesus used there uh, accommodates very well for the word perdition. You've heard that word. Also, the word ruin. And now it doesn't necessarily mean uh, the word annihilation. Annihilation would mean to disintegrate into nothingness. You know, I had friends who thought that when you died and went six feet under, that was the end of you. You. You were were annihilated. Your body, soul, spirit, it all turned to dust, and there was nothing left. But the Bible certainly doesn't teach that. Here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 45. It's better for you to enter life lame than to be cast into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is not quenched. Does that sound like you go to a place where you just annihilate? That sounds to me like it's eternal judgment, eternal punishment, eternal destruction or ruin. That's what God is telling us this morning. The invitation is to enter the narrow gate. But he wants to explain to you the broad gate that all of us were on. Some of you may still be on that broad road to destruction that you've entered in through that wide gate. Jesus warns us, there's two gates, two roads, and two destinations. And so what do I do? Jesus warns by sending His Spirit into the world to warn us of the coming judgment. He sends His Word into the world, the written Word that we all have in our homes. I bet every home here has a Bible in it somewhere. Maybe it's gathering dust on a table or in a drawer somewhere. But it's God's written word to you how to escape that broad path to destruction. And it's found through His Son, Jesus Christ. I challenge you to read that. God sent His Spirit, He sent His Word, and He now asks us to enter into the narrow gate. It is there and only there that a man or a woman will find life. Because we're on the broad road to death destruction. We need to get off of that road. Amen. We need to get off of that road. And Jesus invites us to enter this gate, to enter that narrow gate that is beside you, that you can see, that you've understood, has been told to you. Jesus says, come and enter into that gate at a crossroads in our life. Two gates, but only one choice, the wide gate or the narrow gate. Which one will you enter into? The Sermon on the Mount was given to us not to tickle our ears and not to enhance our understanding of the spiritual kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount was given to us to put us into action. Jesus has said all of these things from chapter 5 through chapter 7 and now at the end of it He says I'm going to invite you to accomplish everything that I've taught you about. Everything that I've told you in this Sermon on the Mount. I want you to Experience it. We want to, Lord. How do we do that? Enter the narrow gate. Go through that little gate, that narrow gate that I present to you. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is for. The way is broad that we are already experiencing. You know, somewhere along the broad path for my life, I heard about the narrow gate. I read about it. Somebody came to my house and told me about it. But if I stayed on the broad path, what good would the knowledge of the gate do me? None. I had to put what I heard, what I read, and what I was taught into action. And I had to step through or enter the narrow gate. So that's what the sermon does for us. It invites us into action. We've all heard that there are many paths to heaven. We've all heard that. Everybody who's not a Christian wants to tell you that. Amen. They want to tell you that they're on the pathway to heaven. I haven't met a person in Lindsay or Aaron Springs, America, that doesn't read their Bible every day and pray every night. Now, I'm amazed at that. I'm shocked by that statistic but I haven't met one who says they don't read their Bible or pray to God on a daily basis. But yet, where are they? They're on the broad path. They're on the path that is built on good works will get me into heaven. They're built on the path that says God's a great and loving God and certainly he wouldn't cast me into hell because I'm a good guy. He's walking on that path. But in my description earlier, I told you that that broad path is full of good people. But they're on the way to destruction. You don't go to heaven because you're good. And you don't go to hell because you're bad. Get that in your mind, people. You don't go to heaven because of the goodness that you possess. You don't go to hell because you're evil. You go to heaven because Jesus paid for you. You go to hell because you did not accept his payment for you. He gave his life for you. And that's how you get to heaven. You accept his sacrifice made on your behalf. That gets you to heaven. Not your goodness. Not your well-being. Not your health. Not your good eating habits. Not your good driving record. Not your good grades at school. You get to heaven... Because you accept the fact that Jesus gave his life in your place. And now, you've entered into that narrow gate. And where does that gate lead? Where does that path go? Jesus says it's straight and it's difficult. So once you step through the gate, it doesn't get easier. Okay? Now, we all want to hear that sweeter and sweeter it gets every day with Jesus. We even sing a song like that. And you know what? The only reason it gets sweeter and sweeter every day with Jesus is because Jesus is on that path with me. Jesus is on that path with you. That's the only reason. It's a difficult path. It's a narrow, hard, grudgingly difficult road to walk the Christian life. And so we'll get into that in just a minute. But We see that the Lord says that it is not by our goodness that we get there. It is not annihilation of a person who goes into hell and just disappears forever. Right? No one spoke more of the horrors of hell in the Bible than Jesus Christ did himself. He taught us more about hell than anybody else in the Bible, any other authors in the Bible. There is a path which leads to hell. But yet there is another destination which leads to life. And Jesus says, enter into that life. Enter into that gate, that narrow gate. The Beatitudes were like this. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Jesus kept speaking over and over about our behavior as people. He went on to say, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where people come in and steal it and moth will come and eat it. He said, store up for yourself a treasure in heaven. He said this, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He talked about His heavenly Father who is in heaven in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we understand that Jesus wants us to come into that gate to receive the heavenly kingdom that God has prepared for us to live eternally with Him. According to Jesus, the ultimate destination then is heaven. Not this world, not this life, not my habits, my hobbies. My goals, my dreams, not my retirement, not my this or my that or my my account book at the bank. That's not the ultimate destination. Heaven is the ultimate destination. And there's only one way to get there. Only one way to get there. The narrow gate. That's what I must see. That's what I must enter through. That's what I must understand. Two destinations, two ways, two gates, one choice. I get one choice to make the right decision. Listen to his invitation. Enter the narrow gate. Now, who is that? Or what is this gate? Well, I believe Jesus is the gate. Okay? I believe Jesus Christ himself is the gate. Look what it says in John 10. Jesus said it. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. He's referring to the sermon where he talked about him being the shepherd and the, we are the sheep and he calls himself the door and we had to enter through the door. Here's another one, John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Many paths to heaven, Right? Wrong. One. Through Jesus Christ. Here's another one. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. The narrow gate. I believe it looks something like that. Okay? Oh, we all got a picture of a gate, but you know why I believe it looks like that? You see, that man has got himself stripped down to nothing, and he's left his luggage sitting beside him because he can't fit that through the gate. When you enter the narrow gate, you don't take anything with you. All of it remains behind. Let me read you a little bit from Luke chapter. Fourteen, The Bible says, and Jesus spoke, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the king coming with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he might send a delegation and ask for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Wow. I see that gate now I can't carry my stuff through the gate I can't carry my children through the gate I can't carry my wife through the gate or my parents I can't carry my friends through the gate the gates only big enough for me to enter in nothing else now I want them to come with me but it's single file amen it's not doubling up and going through the gate Because why? I have to let go of everything in my life in order to become a believer of Christ, in order to become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what God is trying to show us this morning, to contrast with the broad gate. I give up everything to enter the narrow gate. What about the broad gate that he spoke of here? I don't have to give up anything to go on the broad gate. I don't have to make any sacrifices All of my family and friends can come with me through the gate all at the same time. I don't have to do anything that I don't want to do. I don't have to. I had no one to tell me what to do. It's comfortable going through the big gate. It is certainly uh, unrestrained by anybody. It's the popular way to go. No one mocks me when I go through the big gate and I'm walking on the path of destruction. No one makes fun of me. No one ridicules me. I have room for everything that I have. But it's not the way I want to go. Because it leads to death. It leads to destruction. And I know this. I understand this about the two gates. And so I want to enter into the narrow and the small gate. Once through the gate, then the path is narrow and difficult. Look in verse 14. For the gate is small... And the way is narrow that leads to life. That word narrow is a, in verb form. That means a word that means for you and I to compress. So when I go through that little bitty gate all by myself, I find on the other side there is a straight little path that I have to follow. It's compressed. Amen. I don't get a lot of freedom in that gate. Why? Because I'm a servant now. I don't go through the gate and remain the king or the boss or the master. I go through the gate and I suddenly become a servant. And as I walk on this narrow path, I find that it's difficult because the people on the broad path can see me. And they laugh and they mock and they ridicule and they make fun. And they challenge me to come back and they want all these things for me to go wrong so that I will come back. You see, it's not an easy path to be a Christian. It's not a straight, uh, it is a straight walk, but it's not an easy walk for us. It becomes very difficult. It's a path that is hard to stay on. It's a path that is hard to walk on and to live on. Some say that the gate is difficult, but the path is easy. Let's not false advertise this morning it was easier for me to be saved than it has been for me to walk on the straight path. Amen? When I, when I got saved, I needed it. I wanted it. It was everything to me to be saved and to have that burden of sin lifted off of me. I had no idea what it meant for me in the future, but now I see that the path that God set us on, puts us on, is straight and narrow. There's no deviations, there's no way around things. You go straight through life with the Lord Jesus Christ, hand in hand. That's what makes it better, as I said earlier. Oh, but the broad way, wow, the broad path. There's plenty of room on that path. I don't have to tippy-toe around on that path. There's no persecution, there's no mocking. I can believe what I want to believe. I can do what I want to do on the broad path. I even think it's leading me to heaven. But Jesus here says, no, there's only two gates, two ways, one choice. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, there is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. You might be on a path that you think is the right path, but if it's not the narrow, straight path, my friend, you're on the broad path that leads to death and destruction. You need to understand it. You need to realize it this morning and you need to find that narrow gate that Jesus is talking about. He invites you to choose today. He invites you to come and enter into that narrow gate, the straight way. Then he invites you to do one more thing. He asks you to identify with the few people that have found that gate as well. Something very interesting. Let's look at verse 14 again. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who enter it or who find it. I think there's even fewer that enter it. There's few that find it. If we were going to do a little uh, experiment, kind of, and and we see that there are many who go to destruction, there's few who go in the narrow gate, let's just say that the entire human race is ten people. Okay? So how many would many be? And how many would few be? I would say personally that many would have to be more than half wouldn't you and few would have to be less than half or he would have said half and half but he didn't he said many and few so out of 10 at best there would be four that could find the narrow gate and six that could find the broad gate at best I'm sure the odds are less than that. Statistics tell us today that 5% of the world, less than 5% of the world is Christian. Wow. Billy Graham said that 75% of the people on our church roll in that office are lost. Whoa, wait a minute, preacher. You baptized me. I'm sorry to tell you this morning, that doesn't save you. I could baptize you a hundred times and not make you saved. What makes you saved is that you believe and you receive Jesus Christ into your life. You step into His life. You enter through that narrow gate with no baggage. Just you. Nothing else. And nobody to go with you. You go by yourself. And so, The verb tense that Jesus uses about finding this gate is in the present tense, which means that there are people even now finding the gate. And there are people even now walking on the broad road. He lets us know that there are few who find this gate. Not even entering it, few of them who even find it. Wow, what a great thing to see and to read. Kind of scary, really but it helps us to understand what the lord is trying to say today. He's inviting us to enter into this gate. So, even the world today confirms the words of Jesus. What are Christians called today? Narrow-minded. Kaching. I am. I walk on the narrow path. What else are Christians called? We're out of the mainstream. Kaching. I'm out of the mainstream. I don't want to go with the world. I don't want to go on the broad path. I want to be on that narrow path, that that little path where only one person might be walking. Amen? So the world confirms what Jesus is saying. The world also confirms itself about the wide gate. The world calls itself tolerant. It's tolerant of all beliefs. Tolerant of all ways of living. Tolerant of all sexual deviations that this world offers the world that tolerates that they are that way and so it calls itself open-minded and it calls itself inclusive ka-ching ka jesus had it right broad way to destruction narrow way to life two gates two ways two destinations one choice I want to challenge you today to make the right one. How many of you have read this book on the screen? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've read The Pilgrim's Progress. One, two, three. Wow. Man, you got to read that. That's one of the, besides the Bible, that's probably the greatest book I've ever read. Christian living. It was written way back, I believe, even into the 1600s. Is that right, Bill? A man named... uh, John Bunyan wrote this in the 1600s. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. I got a little excerpt I want to read to you today from that book. Christian was the name of the man. He's the main character in the book. And he was a man who lived in a city called Destruction. And one day, when the story begins, he picks up a book which happens to be the Bible. And he reads in the book and finds the condemnation of his sin and the coming disaster that is about to befall the city in which he lives, the city of destruction. And no sooner does he read of this than he discovers a heavy and cumbersome burden upon his back. This horrible burden of condemnation presses down on him, and it becomes desperation for him to be relieved of this burden and to flee from the city of destruction. As he suffered in his burdened condition, he was met by a a man named Evangelist. Well, John Bunyan, you didn't have to guess who he was talking about, right? He met a man named Evangelist, and Evangelist told him that to be relieved of his burden, he must make his way up to a small, humble-looking little wooden gate and knock. And someone would appear, open the gate to him and take him in and tell him what he must do from there. And so ignoring the mocks and threats of family and friends, Christian ran with all his might up the hill toward the wicket gate so that he might be relieved of the burden of his sin. As he traveled toward this gate, Christian discovered that the journey was unexpectedly hard. In fact, he was downright miserable and dangerous. At one point, he was utterly caught by surprise, and he fell into a horrible mud pit called the Slough of Despond. And he almost sank to his death in the muck because of his heavy burden. No sooner was he rescued from this disgusting mud pit than he tried to clean himself up And get back on his journey that he met another traveler whose name was Worldly Wise Man. And this man saw Christian's burden and observed how he sighed and groaned under it along the way. And he asked where Christian was going. And Christian explained that he had met with a man named Evangelist who had told him to go to the wicked gate where he would be able to be relieved of his burden of sin. And the Worldly Wise Man scoffed at Evangelist's advice and he said... There is not a more dangerous and troublesome way in this world than the one in which you are going. Thou hast met with something as I perceived already, for I see the dirtiness of the slew of despond upon thee. But that slew is only the beginning of sorrows for you, my friend. I am older than you. Listen to me. You will meet with this kind of way all the way that you go, wearisome, painfulness, hunger, perils, nakedness, sword, lions, dragons, darkness, and in the word, death and whatnot. These things are certainly true, having been confirmed by many testimonies. And why should a man so carelessly cast himself away by some advice from a stranger named evangelist? Worldly wise man went on to say, why will you uh, seek for this easy way? He said, I'm sorry. He said, why don't you seek for the easy way so that you may dodge these dangerous paths? Especially since you don't have much patience as I. I could direct thee to obtain what you desire without the dangers of this way. Will you run it with me? Yes, and in the remedy at hand, besides, I will add that instead of these dangers, you will meet with much safety, friendship, and content. Well, of course, Christian was interested in an easier way. Who wouldn't be? So, with no doubt about it, the path that evangelists set him off onto was a very hard and unattractive one. So, Mr. Worldly Wise Man sent Christian off on a much more attractive path, one that led him far from the wicked gate. In fact, it sent him on a path that many people before him had chosen, the path of good works, the path of good behavior. But when Christian got to where the alternate path led, he found himself before Mount Sinai, and that the hill was too steep for him to climb. There were flashes of fire spewing out of the hill, and the hill shook and quaked so much, and the rocks and boulders that hung from it were so precarious that he felt for sure that he would be crushed to death by them in no time and worst of all he found that the burden on his back had become doubly heavy and burdensome and so there he lay before the mountain of god's law in pathetic shape and deeply sorry that he had ever taken worldly wise man's bad advice and it was when and it was then that the evangelist found him evangelist gently rebuked him for forsaking the right path and setting him instead for an easier one. But he mercifully sent Christian back once again to the path that leads to the wicked gate and far from the city of destruction. Evangelist sternly and clearly exhorted Christian with the words of our passage this morning. In the book he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the way is For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. In Pilgrim's Progress, Christian does make it through to the wicked gate. He follows up on the pathway to the cross of Jesus where his burden of sin falls away. A long and hard path of discipleship is stressed before him, but onward he goes on his pilgrim's journey to the celestial city and to his heavenly home. Along the way, a poem is given to Christian, and I would like to read it to you now. The hill, though high, I covet to ascend. The difficulty will not me offend, for I perceive the way to life lies here. Come, stand up, heart, let's neither faint nor fear. Better though difficult, the right way to go, than wrong though easy, where the end is woe. It's easy for you and I to walk the broad path. But it leads to our end, in death, in hell, in destruction. Jesus invites you today to enter the narrow path. It's right before you. It's right here in this room, that gate. All you have to do is step through it. Jesus is on the other side, and he's waiting for you with open arms. But you have to make the decision. He's given us his word throughout the Sermon on the Mount. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is how my people are. This is how they behave. This is what will happen. Today, I invite you to enter into that gate. Let's stand together as we will pray. Father, we ask you to bless this moment as you come and enter this room with your Holy Spirit and that you might move in this place, Lord, and that you might fill this place with your Spirit in the hearts of men who might be looking for that gate Show it to them, Lord. Give them courage to step through it. Let them be willing to drop everything they have and enter that gate. Lord, there's much better things as you have promised on the other side of that gate. Things that I can't imagine. Things that I looked for. Things that I need. There's you on that side. My burden of sin is lifted, and released from me. And now I'm able to walk in life for the first time. Thank you, Lord, for leading me through that gate long ago. I pray for every person in this room to have the courage to step through it themselves. And we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm